I hit it, same thing. Like I couldn't see it go in. Like I've never, I've never made a hole in one where I saw it go in. And uh, it just goes in. There's like my dad, my coach, and a bunch of people like behind the green. It's a junior tournament, so everybody's waiting. Everybody's going crazy, and I'm like, holy shit, this is wild. And my friend was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like he was actually pissed. He step up, shank one, hit it above the green, up and down, make boggy, lose by one. And he actually never talked to me again, ever after. Today we are joined by Rodrigue V. Rod is from France and was a solid golfer there and then came over to the U.S. to play college golf at Bowling Green State. While at Bowling Green State, Rod worked his way up to top 500 in the world before graduating and going on to pursue a career. Perfect. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Rod. Tell us a little bit about your background. You host a golf podcast, but before that, you played golf in college, and before that, you picked up golf at some age. How did you really get into the game of golf? So everything started some from France, uh, the northeast part of France, which is not the best part of the country to play golf. Uh, we play like six months out of the year, so not the greatest. I started, I would say, pretty young, just kind of. Um, my grandma would take care of me like Wednesday, and, and she played golf. So I just kind of, you know, jump, jump in with her and, and played and, and hit a few shots here and there. Actually, for me, like I wasn't allowed to play on the course when I was younger. So I would just walk with her and then whenever we would be far away enough from the clubhouse, I would grab my club that were hidden in her bag and I would just like kind of chip and pot all around. So that's how I started. And then uh, I, I took some uh, lessons pretty quickly. Like I joined like the, it's not a golf school, but like there's like a, like a home teacher. So I started there, um, played, I would say, for fun, just here and there until I was probably 10. Um, I took it a lot more seriously when I was 10. I had my first like tournament when I was 11. I actually made a hole-in-one in my first tournament. That was a crazy story. So it's a par three that's like, it has to be like no more than 130 yards, and I'm hitting a five wood. Just to imagine like how short I'm hitting the ball back then. And there is, so it's downhill, there's water in front of the green and I top it and the ball and before the lake jump over and like all around the green are like some small hills. So the ball just kind of, you know, make her way around the hills and there's like people putting on the green. And next thing you know, like the guy's about to putt and my ball goes in and that's my first hole on first tournament. So it started, started pretty well. And then, so I started there. When I was 15, I moved an hour and a half north. It's still cold up there. So we would play a little bit more because the, the golf course up there were uh, in better shape. But in the winter, it would still suck. So I stayed about two years in, um, in a golf school. I think I did have another hole-in-one there. Yeah. Okay. Another great story. I won the state championship, finishing birdie hole-in-one to win by one. My coach was like, this, this might be the best. Uh, finish i'm ever gonna witness welcome uh that is that is awesome sorry to, sorry to jump in there but i want to hear more about that hole in one so you had that first hole in one as a kid 
did you think, hey, like it's all going to be easy, this easy from here on out? No, like I just, I hit a crap shot. Like <laughs> it's like, like there's nothing to it. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a cold top that just kind of find her way to the hole. There's like literally nothing to it. Uh, I didn't even see it come in. Like I had no idea. So, but I did make another hole in one on that same hole, like a few years after. So that was, that was wild to make two hole in ones on the same hole. And this time I hit a seven iron much better than my five wood that landed in front of the water. But yeah, no, I never thought it was going to be easy. That is cool. And then the state championship or the championship that you're playing in, tell us a little bit about that. And then after keep up, keep on going, sorry to jump in there. But no, no, you're good, man. As far you're as, good, as man. far as that goes, you finished birdie hole in one, which is a nice finish were you feeling any nerves at this point had you won anything before what were, what were you feeling when you're going through that i won the state championship the year before i think and the year before that i finished second i remember um so like how it runs here france would be divided in like you have like smaller state but kind of like into region and then you're playing at a regional level which is like for kids it's pretty good you know there is like you know, you're, you're playing tournament golf and you're, you're trying to, you know, beat the guys. It's, n- it's nowhere near the level at which high school golf, uh, especially is a very good team in the country, play. I'm playing against one of my best friends. He's played the same golf course as me. The, the whole year, we're kind of going, like, after, after each other. So how it runs, you play, like, I would say four, it's not pre-quad, but four tournaments that give you a certain amount of points. And then you get to the final and the pairings are made on like the, the points ranking. And I'm playing the last, I'm on the last pairing. I don't remember. I was probably like one or two or three over on the front nine. And I'm, I'm playing like absolute shit at the beginning of the back nine, like terrible. Like I'm, I'm going from being even to seven shot back in like four holes. And from there, I'm just like, like the dude is playing great. I'm playing like shit. I'm seven shot back. Like you're not thinking about anything. And I remember I just made a bunch of bunch of pars. Uh, I didn't really care, so I just made a bunch of pars. And we get to the 15 hole, and the guy make triple. I make par. So you got to think that four with four holes to go, I'm nine shot back, and I win by one. So he makes he makes triple. I make par. I'm six shot back. He makes double. I make birdie. So I'm three shot back. Then we both make par. Then I make birdie. He makes uh, par. So I'm two shot back with one to go. And even at that point, you know, it's a par three. It's 100 and uh, I play meters. So it's 195 meters maybe. And I grab, I had an old, it was a burner TP, uh, like a tailor-made burner TP hybrid. That was that I painted pink because I like Boba Woodson. So my woods were painted pink. It was a horrible pink, by the way, not even like a, a good looking pink. Anyway, so I get to the tee box and I'm not thinking about anything because in my head, like I'm, it's just over. I hit it. Same thing. Like I couldn't see it go in. Like I've never, I've never made a hole in one where I saw it go in and uh, it just goes in. There's like my dad, my coach and a bunch of people like behind the green. It's a junior tournament. So everybody's waiting. Everybody's going crazy. And I'm like, holy shit, this is wild. And my friend was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like he was actually pissed. He stepped up, shank one, hit it above the green, up and down, make boggy, lose by one. And he actually never talked to me again, ever after. That's a tough way to finish out for him and a great way to finish out for you. So 
you won that state tournament. Tell us more about your junior career after that and how you got to go on and play in college and what that was like. Yeah, so I was I was never I would say I was never a really good junior. Uh, just kind of like your average player. Uh, I worked uh, when I was young. I, I I loved the game, so I worked I worked pretty hard at it. I would uh, not go to high school much and try and spend as much time on the golf course as I possibly could. So I kind of I quickly understood how the high high school system was. So I was able to like not go and still get good grades. Um, so I played I played a lot. I won um, I won a lot of uh, junior tournaments, but again, like the level at which I was playing wasn't very high. But I still won uh, a lot of them. Uh, I've went to the national championship four or five times. Uh, never made uh, made the cut once, and lost in match play. So like nothing crazy there. I had my first tournament that I won. Apart from being like junior tournament, like actual tournament that I won, where you 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 have to be uh, pretty good people. Was like I won like the nationals. Uh, it's like a foursome format. So I won that with my best friend at the time. Um, that was cool. I I kind of had it. For me, it was always hard to win. Like I always had like a metal breakdown whenever I was leading for some reason. So um, we get into it later on, but. I did a lot of work on that to be able to perform because a lot of tournaments, you know, I, I would be leading after one round or after two rounds and I would just come down ca- crashing every time. So it took me took me a few years to figure it out mentally and, and get tougher down the stretch. And I think that comes down to, you know, how I was practicing and how I was going about stuff, which really, I would say, like drastically evolved over time, especially when I got to college. So I won those tournament when I was at that golf school. Um, I would say I wasn't very good back then because my my swing sucked, but my short game sucked even more. So when I when I was on uh, when I was on, you know, when when you're into your rhythm, your swing doesn't really matter because you know you bring back the club face square all the time. But the thing with the issues that I had was, you know, when I was out of rhythm or if the body was tired or at the end of a round. I started hitting it like both ways. And and when you hit it both ways, it's very hard to play the game. So I did a lot of work on my swing, um, especially after my, my freshman year of college. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I I put down a lot of work there when I was into that golf school, spending uh, a whole winter just hitting balls and balls, like hundreds of balls trying to, trying to make that work. And I did win uh, my, uh, my, after my senior year, I won a big tournament in France. I was down South. I beat a lot of uh, very good guys. Uh, That same summer, I went to the Scottish Am, I remember, I think, and went to like the quarterfinals. That was pretty good. I went to the British boys as well. Uh, I played well, missed the cut by two, but awesome experience. You know, you have some, uh, I played with some, Guys that now evolve on the European tour, like some very, very good guys. So that was, those were a great experience, but nothing, I, I wouldn't say that I had a very good, um, young and mature career. It was just kind of average. When I left, uh, when I left France to go to the US, I was 19. As I said, I took that year off because I, I couldn't speak English and going to America and not speaking English is um, not the greatest idea. So I spent that whole year uh, teaching myself English. Uh, I did pretty well, I think, with how good I did in my study afterwards. But I so I left when I was 19, got to the U.S. That's actually another good story. I got to the U.S. I had 
when I said I had no idea on the adventure I was getting in, it's like I had no idea. So I left France, I fly to America, I had no bank account, no phone number, uh, no pillow, no shits, no towel, no nothing. I had my golf bag, a few shorts, few shirts, and 400 bucks in my pocket. And my English was so bad that the first night when I got to the dorm, uh, I felt like my coach would like, you know, get me the necessary, but apparently I forgot to ask. Uh, so that was not uh, on the checklist. So I get to the dorm room after like over like 25 hours of travel, just cause like I got stuck at the airport. It was just a nightmare. I uh, get to the airport and barely speaking English for a whole year. I spent like four or five hours learning English. I just, just sucked at it. Um, did pretty well on my SAT though, which was pretty big surprise. I think I got like 1280, which was like super high for me, especially with how bad I was speaking the language. Um, so I get there and I didn't have a pillow or sheets or towel. So I go downstairs to ask for like the basic necessities. My English was so bad. I couldn't make myself understandable. So yeah, that's how everything started. I got recruited by coach Farrell. Um, he left after my first year of college. Tell us a little bit more about you get to college, you know, things are new for you, but then also you gotta, you gotta go play golf and looking at your college career, it looks like you improved every year. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what that college progression was like. So, so when I got to college, uh, in my opinion, I sucked. Uh, I wasn't nowhere near where I wanted to be. I've always wanted to play pro golf. That's always been a dream of mine when I was younger. So, you know, always worked toward that goal. And when I got to the U.S., what I realized is I was extremely small. So you got to think I'm I'm a, I'm six foot one. When I got to college, I was 145 pounds. After my first semester. I was 175 after a year, a year and a half after college, I was 195. So I put on 50 pounds. That was the first thing that I did because uh, I was hitting the ball extremely low. I had an international game. My short game still sucked then. That's probably why I wasn't shooting very good scores. So yeah, I had some, still had some, you know, technique like swing issues that weren't allow me to be consistent. So putting, putting into that weight was for me allowed me to swing the club differently. Um, I always played a very, very heavy shaft, with a very stiff shaft, which was a massive mistake from my end. I never, I made a lot of stupid mistakes growing up. Um, you know, when you're young, you're just trying to prove like you're good and like you're trying to hit like very stiff shaft and, and so on and so forth, which was just not smart. Um, never... I got fitted, but I think I got fitted late. I think a lot of work could have been done on that by improving, you know, what I was playing at the time. I always play blades. Regret it now. Uh, we, we get more into that, but I, I, I do, I do immense, immensely regret the equipment choices that I made because I was just, when I got to college, I was very like non-knowledgeable about the golf games. Like I knew a lot of things, but um, I didn't know enough for me to step up and be a better player. So putting that work in the gym, um, getting bigger and just trying to figure it out, you know, how college is, how America is, because it's a lot different than France, like just culture wise. So it was just the first semester was for me, like uh, it was just about like, you know, figuring out um, how are they playing? So I had, I, I had to change my swing. I had to change the way I was hitting the ball. I was hitting it way too low. So when we play, let's turn, we played a tournament my freshman year. Um, I, I got out of a hot start, um, played that first tournament at Inverness. 
uh, Toledo hosted. They, it's a very big tournament there. Started my, I actually started my college career birdie birdie. At two six iron to about a foot, so that was a great start. Um, I played well there. We only played two rounds because of the rain. I think I shot two three over. I don't I don't exactly remember. The condition were shit. The course was tough, so you know pretty good for a start. And then I had another um, good tournament, and then it kind of quickly went to shit. Um, and I, I and my, my mental side again played a huge role. Uh, I took a huge toll on my mental side at that time of my career. I just putting a lot, <clears throat> way too much pressure for me to perform because, like, I went to Bowling Green, but at the beginning I wanted to transfer. I'm glad I didn't, but I really wanted to get to a, a bigger school, and that was mainly driven by my ego because, you know, by staying at Bowling Green, I maybe like you never know how things could have been, but I got much better, and and when we get into those like later years of my career, like I was playing very well. Um, when we changed the coach, my new coach was talking awesome um just an awesome human but just a great coach all around he always um wanted the best uh take the best out of us and 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 was you know pushing us to get better so that coach so my the coach that recruited me um left uh after that first semester I'm, I'm so glad he recruited me got me the best offer that i had at the time i wasn't highly recruited out of high school i had a bunch of uh, pretty good D2 offers and, and decent D1 offers, but that was the best for me at the time. I think they were ranked like, I don't know if they were in the top 100 or maybe one, they were between like 80 and, and 110. Uh, I might be wrong, but it's it's around those lines when I got recruited. I had like three international player, three international players that um, uh, some of them have uh, given a try to pro golf. Uh, others are still pros, but they were they were a pretty good team at the time. So for me, that was a great opportunity. And then when we changed coaches, that's kind of when everything for me changed. Um, after putting in that weight and getting like technically better uh, and having that new coach, I just, I, I drastically improved. I want to kind of go into that recruiting a little bit um, because I just think it's interesting. I knew a lot of international players in college and I just want to ask you like how really Aware were you of the system and how uh, college golf operated in the states, and how much of an idea did you have of like where you were going? I mean, you knew you were going to Bowling Green State, but did you know much past that? I signed after the second day of the NLI. I signed in like after like the I think the second day is like 15 of April, and like my I had an agent. Um, like he got me a scholarship. That's all I asked for. I just wanted somewhere to play. I just I had no idea, man. I just I I had no idea how anything worked. I I met some awesome people along the way that knew exactly how the system worked. So I got very lucky. It's actually funny you ask that question because so that project I've been working on for the past six months when I couldn't do my podcast is a platform that will allow international students to get recruited in American universities. So we're building a platform that's handling all the recruiting parts. Uh, players are going to be able to sign up, upload their data, strokes gain, trackman, so on and so forth, and uh, and we're hoping to you know facilitate what I had to go through because like back then, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I just I just flew with my suitcase and a bunch of cash. That's it, and I just figured it out on the spot. So it's just it was for me a lot of like try and errors because when you like the French culture is a lot different for sure. Uh, everything is different here. 
the way like just anything operates. So it's just, you know, you're, you're facing a lot more issues when you're across the world, because first of all, you're not born in the country. You don't have your parents like right next to you. Like if I had an issue, my parents were on the other side of the planet and they don't, they didn't speak an ounce of English. So I had, I was on my own. I had to figure it out. I had great teammates, great coaching staff that, you know, took care of us, but I just had no idea how like the academic system worked. And so I just had to learn on my own, everything. I'll let that answer your question. No, that was, that was really good. And I mean, I felt like it would be an answer along those lines because I had international players on my team and seen them on other teams that went through some of the same exact things. What um, were adjustments that you needed to make like on the golf course? You know, you're playing on bent grass. I'm not sure if you're playing on bent grass in France or I grew up on I grew up on bent. I played bent my whole life. Uh, we only have bent grass in France. Maybe in the south you can have somehow kind of like Bermuda, but it's nowhere near Bermuda. So the first few times I went and played in Bermuda, I sucked. Like I just I I I wasn't a great putter to begin with at the time, but just Bermuda was oh it was horrific for me at least. So it took me some time to adjust. Um, the first, the first thing, my first issue was I, I was way too short. I was way too short to play in the U.S. And I was carrying the ball like I don't know, maybe like two seventy tops, and I was hitting like a low draw that would roll. Uh, you know that that kind of gets you out there in France or at least in Europe. Courses are shorter, they're tighter, so you're not you're not looking forward to being in the trees all the time. It's a lot tighter. So the biggest adjustment was like I gotta hit the ball higher. And I have to, then I got to hit the ball longer because greens are firmer, right? And, and when you're hitting a draw, especially a low draw on American courses, you, you just stand no chance because once you have those tuck pins or once you have those very firm greens, like I couldn't stop it. And, and the rough is thicker and my short game wasn't as good then as it was at the end of my career. So it's just a big adjustment, hitting it further, hitting it higher. And then a lot of the work that we did with my coach was with my wedging. And, and we got to the point where I could really rely on my short game and my wedging. And that, that, that changed everything. That was game changer for me. So my, my first year of college, I think I had 74 and some change scoring average. Nothing great. But we did play a lot of very tough courses in the MAC conference. We play in like uh, the Western, uh, Midwest part of the country. So once you reach this tournament, like being of October, it's cold, it's raining, courses are longer, conditions are shit most of the time. So um, it's about, it was about like learning to play in those conditions as well. Uh, what, I, what I learned pretty early on is, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to have your best stuff every day. That's, that's never going to happen. And, and I was really relying on having my best stuff all the time. And for me, learning to play with what I had is just like, okay, well, to them hitting like shit, what can we do? Like, what can we bring home? And I learned that, I would say, summer of my uh, sophomore year. So I had an, an average um, freshman year, first semester of sophomore year, you know, some pretty good results. Um, I think things starting to change at that point. Um, I, I did get very sick that summer. I uh, lost a lot of weight, couldn't play for a few months. I was completely out of the game. So when I came back, was tough, but I had some pretty good results. I think 
I had uh, one one top five and maybe another or two top ten that um, that fall. About the same in the spring. Some pretty mixed results. Some very good tournament. Not so good tournament. Few tournament I shot you know a few like five or six under. So that was that was getting better on that end. My scoring average went down a bit. Um, I think I was shooting the seventy four mark, but more like seventy on the spot. And then that summer I started caddying. I didn't play as much. I wasn't hitting balls as as much as I did. And and that was game changer because for once in my life, I was on the other side of the game. And I didn't have to worry about me hitting it good or I didn't have to worry about my swing or anything. I just had to worry about, okay, what does my my guys have today? Are they playing good? Are they playing like shit? And what can we do? And that taught me so much about like strategy, keeping like, like yardage book. Like we worked... With my coach, we worked so hard on yardage book to have just as much information as possible. And I never did this in high school because it was like, oh, I just have it in my head. Like I know there I got to hit it on the right side. But then, you know, when after that summer and, and with a lot of talk that we did with my coach and, and my team, we put a lot of hard work into having um, those yardage book that I kept. I kept every single yardage book. So from a year to another, I'd be like, okay, well, that year I hit it there on that pen, I was dead. Um, so that was that was the big, big, big game changer for me. And I think that's what got me better, which is wild because it's not practicing. It's just thinking differently. So now you talked about um, you caddied for that summer. Was this caddying um, during competition or was it at a club or what, what kind of caddying were you doing? It was at a club. So I was caddying for people that would shoot anywhere between 75 and 110. And I swear, cutting for the guy that won 10, like, you, you, I'm, st- I'm still trying. Like, I remember I worked with a guy a whole summer. He started golf like two years earlier. Um, he, he was like very athletic, um, pretty good swing, but he had like a big cut when I started working with him. And, you know, first round, second round, then we started talking. I just became like his caddy, uh, like every time he would play. And I had like four or five um not clients, but players uh, that were caddy for them all the time. And it was like, okay, well, we're just going to, for that guy, at least was like, we're going to fix that slice just a little bit, just a little bit less slice. So we move like just simple, like posture stuff, like very, like the basic, like the foundation of the golf swing. And after that, like I got that guy from shooting 110 to I think that summer he shot like a 92 or a 93. And just doing this, I learned a lot because I was like, okay, he's going to hit it bad. In which bunker are we going to hit it? Which side of the green are we going to miss? And you start thinking about where you're going to miss and not where you're going to hit it if you hit a good shot. And that was when I, like, that was when I said the game changer. I think that was it because you, you think differently. You're like, okay, well, if I miss it, where I'm going to miss it? If I miss it here, it's boggy. If I miss it here, I can probably make par. So just trying to pick the shot that if I miss, I miss there. So that was... For me, caddying gave me that. And going to my junior year, had a great start. I had a 69 point some change scoring average after three tournament. Um, didn't make over a bogey, over a 10 tournament period. So not double, not triple. Uh, played pretty great there during that uh, fall. I lost, I lost the first tournament by... T- a few maybe like one or two second one by about the same one the third one uh so it was it was a great start uh then 
we played the beginning of the fall. I didn't have, I, I think I finished like top 10 and top 20 at two tournaments, uh, but then COVID hit. So that was actually the end of my college career. It just stopped here my junior year. When you talk about that stretch where you didn't make um, any double bogeys, was there a significant um, change in strategy that you remember? Or was it just a combination of little um, changes in strategy? Well, it's always a combination of a lot of little things. Like there's no, like there's no one miracle. Uh, and, and I think a lot of amateur golfers don't get that. It's just like, it's not because you're going to go see a swing coach for an hour that everything is going to be fixed. There's so much that goes into it. Um, and for me, you know, after that, that freshman year and, and, and I worked a lot with my, with my head coach at the time, trying to figure things out, like what worked for me and whatnot. And it was a combination of everything. Like I was better physically. I was in perfect shape. I could get 36 in like nothing. Um, I was stretching in the morning, stretching at night. I was eating the right food. I was hydrating enough. Like I was doing, I was trying to do everything right. For me, it was just like, okay, we have that. Let's try to improve everything by just a little bit. And if I can improve everything by a little bit, I'm going to improve the whole thing by a big bit. So during that time period, uh, after COVID hit, I kept on um, I kept on caddying that whole summer. I caddied both summer because so when I got to college, the first semester, I only I only took like English classes because my English was horrible. And then I, still then, I, I graduated in three years, uh, coming with no credit and taking like that first semester with almost no credit that counts. So I took 12 credit hours that first semester. It was kind of like introduction to college. So you do like all of the freshman things. But then afterwards, I really got after it. Took 18 credit hours every single semester. I took 12 in the summer. Uh, one summer, I took 20. And I would just always take on classes. So like I would do... I would do full winter, spring, summer, sometime two session to get in to get in my bachelor with my with my majors in during the three year period. So I could do my MBA that last year. Because for me, like school was super important. And I'm so glad that it's it got super important because I got drawn away from the game um, very early on. So I had that to rely on. And and I'm so glad I, I, I worked my ass off to get those two degrees. Uh, and those were the main reason why I started caddying and caddying got me better at golf. So it was a great deal. So when your college career kind of finished up, what did you think about your next steps and what you were going to do? Did you think I'm going to go play golf after school or did you think this is it for me? I'm done. Time to go find something else to do. I'm not sure you're going to want to put that in the podcast if you don't want to get very soon depressed. But I, so I suffered from terrible back injuries. Um, so after so my junior year, that spring, we played three tournaments. We go down to Arizona. Um, and then COVID hit. We were about to tee off for the practice round. Guys, like, it's we're not playing. We're going home. We still play that practice round. at five under. That was, I was feeling well. It's too bad we couldn't play the tournament. Anyway, um, I was on the run to get first team, to get, uh, what is it, like, uh, like regionals team, whatever Conference. it is. Uh, I was all conference. I was uh, so on track for that. I was uh, on track. I was just close to make it to like regionals. Like my ranking kind of, I was just in that barrier of, of being able to make it. So I was really looking forward to finish that spring. 
I thought we had a good shot at conferences because, like, I was playing well. Another guy in the team was playing well. Uh, we had some very good results. We won once with the team. Lost twice by, like, nothing, like one or two shots. So we, we had that going. And during that whole summer, you know, I, I, I kept cutting because I had to pay for my classes and I had to pay for my summer turners. Um, one other thing I did, I, I don't regret, but I never – I didn't play that much um, when I was in college. I would only play like 13 tournaments a year. That still got me to a pretty high ranking my junior year because I got into top 500 in the world playing 13 tournaments. So I was I was playing very well during that stretch. And I, I, draft, I stopped playing in September of 2020. Um, so during that two-year stretch, I had a scoring average of 70.2, I think, counting the summer tournaments. Uh, played a lot of pro tournaments during the summer. Uh, never got out of the top top 20 during two years. Uh, had a lot of top 10. Had one win, a few top five. So I, w- I was playing pretty well. But um, I had an injury pretty early on in college on my uh, left side of my back. And we're not sure what happened. We're still not sure what's going on. But that led me to chronic pain. Um, and... Actually, when I stopped playing in September, the October after, I was like handicapped. I couldn't walk. Like the pain was gotten too bad. I flew home. So I didn't play that 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 fall. I flew home. Uh, I couldn't move. Got here. Uh, it was COVID, so we still got on lockdown. So I had about three months to um, like figure out what was wrong so i did i would do pt every day and and trying to get like something to have the pain go down um i was like not paralyzed but at that time i lost like 80 percent of my mobility on my entire left side so i couldn't play at all last my last tournament that i played i stopped after nine hole i think i shot like 10 all the river nine hole like it just it hadn't happened in the past like five years it was just like i was in a very rough shape and uh, yeah, that was that was it. That was my last. I can I can go on with the story, but it gets pretty dramatic. It gets dramatic. It sounds like it was a tough position to be in for you. And I know those types of injuries. You know when you're at your limit, and there you were at your limit. When it comes to earlier, you talked about you know came to came to the U.S. Really had to adapt my game. Really had to make some changes. And you said one of the biggest things that you made a mistake in was your equipment. Tell us a little bit more about your equipment struggles and what you kind of learned in that process. So, so there's, there's two things um, we, I want to, I want to take into account. Um, when I was younger, I hit a lot of balls on the range because I grew up with the idea that my swing had to look or to, to be a certain way which is completely stupid. But a lot of coaches, like 15 years ago, you know, we were kind of, like, it's not like it is now, like like a Matthew Wolf, or like you see a lot of guys on tour having, you know, their own DNA, and it's awesome. Like, now coaches, they, through, you know, like, like Titleist TPI, for instance, or through understanding the body, through understanding the nervous system, through understanding, you know, how muscle works, um, we understood that, just some players, we couldn't get them to a certain standard. And I think that's why you see a lot more players having their own swing because they stick to their own DNA. And I, my issue was I wanted to get out of my own DNA 
without knowing it, just because I wanted my swing to look a certain way. So I, I hit an awful amount of balls in high school, uh, playing 130 grams X, uh, X tour issue, X 100 shaft. I was 16 playing blades from three hour into pitching wedge. So it's like, if there is any like high school listeners, absolutely don't do that. Uh, if you actually want to play good golf, don't do this. Uh, but the, the thing is it's, it's, it's double-sided because you grew up playing very hard clubs. My long game was very good when I got to college. But because I spent so much time working on my long game, my short game was horrible. And because my short game was horrible, I could never score. So I had to to switch. Like I was at the end, I was spending like ninety percent of my time within like seventy yard of the green, or hundred yard, let's say. Uh, and that's when I got better. The equipment struggle came from being being not heavy enough, trying to hit it hard all the time because I wanted to hit it far. Because when you're a kid, it's cool to hit it far. And it's understandable because like the game is moving that way. But then I was playing clubs that were way 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 too strong for me, and uh, and I had back issues in high school already. Um, just because your body is not formed, you're growing up. I was extremely skinny. I was playing all the time, hitting balls all the time with clubs that weren't uh, good for my like physiology. So I did make some move in college. Uh, when I got to college, changed my set. I, I cut down about an inch. So I'm six foot one, but I play standard. Um, so I cut down on them. I played much bigger grips because I, I was tiring of playing with my hands. That allowed me to stop missing it both ways. So that was great. That was a great move. Uh, my clubs are actually heavier. That was a massive mistake on my club maker. Um, clubs was heavier. So I, I, I took down a lot of weight on them. I was still playing like a 125 or 130 gram shaft but with no like added weight to the head. So that was better. Um, I did stick to very st stiff um, driver shaft. Same thing with my three wood, but I always went very hard at it. Um, another big mistake that I learned afterwards. So to go hard at it, I, I, I hated playing a shaft that's moving everywhere. You know what I mean? Like when your shaft is too like soft and you kind of like it's, it's whipping, you have no control. So I wanted to play something very stiff so that it will allow me to what I felt at the time, help me keep it straighter, which I was pretty straight with my um, long game, but I, I wasn't hitting it as far as I was swinging it. Uh, and I think is I could have had some improvement on my like equipment. Like I, I could never get it up to like above 147 smash factor with my driver. So I was not optimizing for sure. I think looking back, I probably try to uh, not hit it as hard and optimize what I have. Because um, I was as when I got to college, I was swinging 109, 110. After two years, I was up to like 117, 118. And when I when I went after it, I was a little bit over 120. So I hit a shot that was hard, but I could have, um, I think, went a different way about it. So when you you talk about trying to build a swing that looks good, is there a particular uh, professional that you remember trying to model no um no my, my biggest issue was my my club was extremely cross at the top of my swing uh, like like extremely cross like a john daly style but i wasn't over swinging so i was very skinny very um flexible and i had a lot of um rotation so like when, when you get to a certain point of rotation your club is obviously going to be a little bit cross instead of plain because you turn more than 90 degrees 
But my biggest issue, and 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 that's the the technical aspect that I changed that got me much better because I was a lot more consistent. It's when I when I when I started my backs when I would take it back, my hand would roll and go inside very quickly. So on that first stop, on that first position, you see the best player in the world, their face match their hands, which kind of match the alignment or their feet. Like everything is kind of square. When you were looking at my swing, my club head would be way behind me. So then I would just take it up, it would be cross, and then I would have to drop it and like play with my hands to keep it to keep it somewhat playable. So when you have good good days, when your when when your hands match your body and, and your speed, like it's it's nice, like it works. When it wasn't working, then then your club is stuck inside. Once you like you have the white the club face wide open, it's a straight push, or you just flip your hand, it's dead hook. The dead hook killed me for like my first year and a half of college because my club was stuck inside. Once we started working at this and got the club back into playing, so it was like that takeaway was moving as one block and not using my hands as much, then I got a lot better for sure. You also mentioned a little bit about how things got better for you as college went on. You learned more, you got better, and you jumped from a scoring average of, I think, 74.46 or something like that your freshman year to that span you were talking about. You were shooting in the 70s. Besides equipment and besides swing, what else contributed to you having that jump in your game? Um, I think that's actually the biggest factor. Um it's, I had the immense chance to met one of the alumni on our team. He now is carrying on the PJ tour for Mackenzie Hughes, who is uh, one of the best Canadians for sure, uh, playing the Olympics and, and uh, was leading the British, like great player. And, and that guy is learning from the best every week. And he would stop into town when he was traveling and we'd go on the golf course for, you know, an afternoon or a whole day. And he would just show me what the guys were doing. Like, this is how they practice. This is what they do in this situation. This is what they do with that lie. And I think I got better because I got smarter or less less stupid either way. Uh, I just I just knew more about the game. I just knew more about how to handle certain situation. I got a lot more calm on the course because I was very, to my freshman year, like very like emotion, uh, like full of emotion. And, and I would, you know, my feelings would get into the game and, it was, I just, I got smarter. I got a lot more calm. I understood how to use a yardage book and I, then I try to stick to it as much as I can. And I think putting all of those pieces together, you know, you're, you're getting better athletically, which obviously you will because you go from being 18 years old to 21 years old. So you go from being like a kid to a more adult body. So I'm, I'm getting better physically. I'm learning a lot more about the game. I'm getting like accustomed to you know, playing 36 holes, like two rounds tournament, which is tough at the beginning. Like I just wasn't ready for that because I didn't do the job in high school to get ready for that. So all around is just improving small pieces and get advice from the best in the game that just show me what the best are doing. And I just try to replicate what he was telling me. I was just, this is the, this is the, the book. This is the formula I got to follow. And this is what I'm going to try to do. You said the first thing that you did when you came to college was that you gained 50 pounds and you realized that you needed to do that because you were so skinny. What Would you say that you had success 
in this because just being part of the structure of college golf and having workouts etc or was that was it more on your uh more more of the structure well here's the thing um I, I i really wanted from pro i really wanted to get better i, I really did um and, and i did put the work in the gym uh but again i wasn't smart about it i worked hard i didn't work smart at the time so i was lifting heavy weights off season in season off seasons i was eating a lot and and you know when you're 19 you, you i was i was skinny but i didn't have my adult body so you so you you're still growing and and it was it was as good for me and i think it was bad because that led me to having a shitty back uh, but again you know i wanted to get better so i was hitting a lot of balls i was practicing a lot i was lifting a lot of weight in the gym and i was feeling good so why not keep doing it but my i think one of my biggest mistake is i you know, you talked about discipline. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to get good at it. And I just didn't, like in my head, I wanted to be better too quick. And I almost forced me getting better. Instead of just having a plan, stick to it. And if you stick to it, down the road, you'll be better. Um, and I think trying to force it made me sometime probably practicing too much and not the smartest way. Uh, just too much quantity and not as much quality, which that changed when I got better as well. So like kids also got to understand that the quality of your practice is way more important than the quality of it. Like, like you could spend 10 hours in the golf course and do things that are just not useful for you. And you can spend two hours really focused on a task and that will be extremely productive uh, or efficient. And I think, I, I needed to put on some weight and I needed to gain distance to be good, 100%. Just because the rough, like in D1 golf, especially in the Northwest when it gets cold, like rough is thick, it's wet, um, you need to get it out, you need to hit it high. And the only way to hit it high and get it out of those rough is swing speed and having strong forearms. So I had to go through that. I just didn't go through it the smart way and that cost me part of my health for sure. Um, I don't regret it. I just wish, I just wish I learned more and I just trusted the time more than just wanted everything too quick. Was there a particular gym exercise that you think contributed to your back problems? Well, when you're deadlifting 370 and squatting 340, it's not good. I was, I was lifting some heavy weight because I was a lot bigger and I was a lot stronger. Um, but the thing is, you, you can get to that weight even heavier through time because your nervous system like like what i didn't understand is like maybe i wasn't in pain at the time but i was way overloading my nervous system because like you're you're practicing you're playing all the time i was taking all those classes i was working like i was never stopping ever like it would just go on all the time and and i was so crazy about it that some night i would wake up have an id go to our indoor facility and go hit balls and it'd be like one in the morning um, so I think, I think I could have gotten to like lifting heavy weight that way without getting injured. If I took it more slowly and had, um, built 
a better foundation and not overload my nervous system because I was without realizing it I was putting too much weight that not my muscle could injure but my nervous system could injure and at some point it's just like it had to go to shit but I wasn't realizing it you're talking about one of the things that stuck out to me was you're talking about working with your buddy who caddied for Mackenzie Hughes and he told you this is the way it needs to be done uh, this is how those guys do it and Here's how they do every part. And you essentially just followed a blueprint for uh, that the tour pros use essentially, or that your buddy was seeing and it panned out well for you, generally speaking. What was kind of that blueprint as far as how to practice, how to prepare for tournaments? I know you can't give us the whole story, but just a brief summary would be very helpful. Well, there's a lot that comes into it, right? Um, But I, I would say generally, if you can surround yourself with better with, with people that are better than you and, and you're willing to listen and you're willing to just like actually actively listen and trying to understand what they do, those people are the best in the world and there is a reason to it. There's there's thousands of amazing college players out there. Uh, there's there's dudes in college that shoot six, seven under and they're, they're never going to make it to the tour. It's just that's how hard it is. So for me, knowing that I just was the average player, I had to grind to get better, but now I had to grind smart because I had to get smarter because what I was doing wasn't working. If it was working, it would have been better a lot earlier on, and and, and I wasn't. Um, you know, I was I was stuck at that, like, 1,200 mark in the world for, like, a year and a half. I just couldn't get better up to the point where I didn't follow that blueprint, but I was listening and that got me to the top 500 playing, as I said, like very little amount of tournaments. I believe if I played more and I kept on playing, I would have even gotten better. But the thing was like, okay, um, um, we, we talked about that guy a lot about attitude on the course. And my coach was big, big, big into attitude. Like if you, I've been to a lot of uh, PJ tour tournaments again, thanks to that guy. Like every time he would be close to, my college town would just drive down there and either walk with the tour guys in the practice round or, you know, be, be outside the rope, talk to the tour guys and, and just looking like, okay, how do they warm up in the morning? What do they do? Why do they do it? How do they do things? And, and, and my practice became a lot more structured. I, I kept data. Um, so I started uh, tracking my stats. So was, and then, and then from then on was like, okay, I see how I'm playing. I was playing that way like six months ago. These were my data. Uh, this is where like things kind of went downhill. So this is like, how could I practice to get back to that level or get better? Uh, but it was also like, why, why did that part of my game got worse or why did it not get better? It was, I, I was trying to dig down to why I was doing things, why I should be doing things and how I was doing them. Cause like sometimes you get to, you know, you get to the golf course and it's just like normal routine. Like you don't really think about it, go grab balls, warm up, hit a few pots, hit a few chips, go play nine. Me, it was just like, okay, well, you know, they said like a bunker shot. Like I realized I wasn't good at that type of bunker shot or in that sense. So I'm going to practice that. How do they do it? Okay. They do it that way. Does that stick with my DNA? No, it doesn't really. How can I mimic what they do to be able to get to that point? Um, a lot more short game. He taught me, man, just spent hours around the, the, the chipping green. And my short game got great, and that's why I got better. Uh, same thing with potting. He taught me a lot about potting. Like, like I started using the perfect putter, probably the 
like the best thing, like the best tool I've ever used was the perfect putter. Awesome. You get to learn, like, instead of practicing my technique on the green, because I was all the time practicing my technique, because for me, if I was putting well, my stroke was off or I wasn't hitting in well. Well, I realized through time that I always had a great posture, great stroke, great rhythm, like everything was, if you looked at it, you would say like, oh, he's a good putter, but I sucked. Like my freshman year, I think my, 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 I would get like 34 pot on average. So like I couldn't score with that and I got down to 30 and those were the stroke that I shaved on top of having a better strategy in a better short game because it's not only putting, it's just I was hitting it closer. I was hitting my chip closer because I had a better strategy. I was missing on the right side more often. Um, so it's just like understanding like how can I optimize things uh, around the green? How can I optimize my wedge setup? How could I optimize you know, my posture? I just learned more shots around the green so I was more creative so I could do more things. Um, I improved my putting as well thanks to him. Uh, just understanding like the impact of speed more. So practicing a lot more uh, speed drills. Um, I was a lot more competitive just with myself. Uh, instead of just working the technique against again, um, it was more of like, I think that blueprint was like trying to mimic what I was doing in tournament, you know? And not like, I think for a long time, I was just trying to get better technically, but what I was doing didn't fit with, uh, with like, golf tournament or golf rounds like there was like a very big gap between how i practicing how i was practicing and how you know i was playing or how i should be playing like uh, for instance i was never really ever hitting balls on the range from the rough where i should have been you know it's, it's very small detail that just i think again if you work on a lot of things just gets you better interesting i think that that makes sense and practicing how you're going to play is something that a lot of people think they do and then they realize once once they get farther into it that they're not actually doing that. And I think that's a great story that you have as far as how you got into the game, how you got into college, and then at every level kind of you stepped up and improved. And it was just drilling down more and more on, it seems like, finding the smarter way to do things. And I think that, that kind of gets us to our last question which is, we ask every guest this question, if you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would it be? I have so many things to tell myself. Uh, what would it be? Stop hitting balls and get around the, the, the chipping green. Short game, short game, short game, short game. Very interesting, because that's one of the areas that you had to work on more when well, everybody you got does. older. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Like it's like when you see how good those guys are with a wedge in hand, like if you go to a PGA Tour tournament, sit, just sit at a par three behind the green, like a tough par three where they're going to miss the green quite often and just look at how those guys are doing it. And they get up and down almost all the time. Like mm -hmm. it, it, their, their short game is just unbelievable. And I, I, I do, I do think that the, the big gap between amateur, let's say like between high school, college, Amateur college, very good college player, and like like the step above every time was their short game. Because I've been to PJ Tour event and the guys hit it like shit. Like they truly mm -hmm. do, some of them. Like or they're they're in a bad day, but their short game just save them. Which means they're not like they're hitting it like shit, but they're still shooting like 70, 71, 72. So they they they're still like they still got a chance to make the cut. Where 
If your short game is bad at any level, you're going to shoot a thousand and shoot yourself in the foot, and that being like you're not not going to get a chance to win or make the cut. Yeah, so they use that. They use that as a tool in order to when they have those bad days. I've been there and see and have seen them have those bad days, and having that as a rescue. Uh, lifeboat can help bail them out of many situations. Uh, so that, that makes sense. And we appreciate you taking the time to join us. We know you have your own podcast. Tell us a little bit more about where people can reach you personally on social media and a little bit about your podcast and where people can find that. Sure. Um, so I started my podcast last year. Um, there is about seven episodes on there. Some pretty cool episode. Um, I think we don't, we've done one live from Augusta national for the master. That was dope. Um, so it's called the college golf podcast. You guys can find it on Instagram as well as TikTok. Um, there's no post yet on TikTok, but I'm working on it. We'll be, I'll be doing interviews with, uh, top coaches, top players, uh, on the nation that play like college golf, but I'll also be interviewing a lot of my friends that are pros, um, and just talk about, you know, their experience in college. Uh, what they do as pros and how do they practice, you know, just trying to, trying to get the word out there. So yeah, the, the podcast is available on all platform and the name is the college golf podcast. That's simple. Thanks for joining us today. Please do us a big favor and like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. So we can help others learn how to play better tournament golf. You can find us online at the tournament on Instagram at the tournament code and on Twitter at Tournament Code. As always, feel free to reach out to us at those places or email us at daniel at thetournamentcode.com and cooper at thetournamentcode.com. We hope you join us as we continue to dive deeper in what it takes to play elite tournament golf.